Tonight we go to a fairy tale land called Armenia, which is currently being invaded again by bloodthirsty enemies, and which many of you probably never heard of until its tidings were delivered to you by a giant ass. A giant ass on TV. Not Noah landing its ark, not being the first Christian nation, not the pomegranates, not the apricots, not the genocide, not Saroyan or Mamoulian or Osnavur or Parjanov, not Cher, not Agassi, not Aram Khachadurian, composer of the saber dance, the one that goes None of that makes a mark anymore. But show me a giant ass with a passion for criminal justice reform, and now we're talking. And I salute the giant ass. I commend the giant ass that put Armenia on the millennial map. With some help from heavy metal, system of a down, the swarthy quartet from my Hollywood neighborhood of little Armenia. But yeah, it sure isn't going to be history that makes anyone give a shit about Armenia. History doesn't count anymore, doesn't count in the open market, doesn't count in the Geopol Bazaar, doesn't count in the halls of power or on the phones that are low on power. Maybe it mattered a hundred years ago when the Red Cross raised all that charity money to save the starving Armenians, but no more. The only thing that matters anymore, the only things that can cause people to give a shit are money, power. Propaganda and ass. No strangers want to hear about the achievements of your cultural past when they've been trained to apologize for the achievements of their own. In our time, history only matters to ghosts or to people who are cursed to see them. I'm not a propaganda person, so all I can offer here is my ass. It's not a giant ass. It's not a blockbuster ass. It's hardly even a commercial ass. It's boutique ass. It's a niche ass, but it can slide into places that a more humongous lowest common denominator ass would not even dare to grind on. My art house ass is your guide to Armenia tonight, and more specifically, to its haunted, joyous, labyrinth of a capital city, Yerevan, a fairy tale city to which I returned last month for the ninth time in my life. Now, Yerevan truly is a fairy tale city. That's not propaganda. That's not even sentimentalism, which is the propaganda we tell ourselves. Yerevan comes from a word that means it appears, and Armenian fairy tales begin with the phrase, there was and there was not. So this is a city of illusion. But that also means it is a city of illusion shattered. And my first visit in the summer of 2003 after high school graduation featured a lot of shatterings. A lot of there was not. The illusion for example, of heterosexual bliss shattered after two anticlimactic hours in a by-the-hour hotel with a woman 
during which a local friend of a friend kept banging on the door to ask if it was good. The illusion of Randian objectivist invincibility shattered by a few choice words from her own closest disciple and lover that I read on a balcony overlooking Mount Ararat. The illusion of a homeland that feels like home for a filthy Armenian shattered. And as a thing you hear from all the IANs, all the genocided diaspora Armenians who visit, because the modern Republic of Armenia is not where their folks are from. It's just the very eastern part of old Armenia, the part that was protected from the Turks and then spent 70 years under Soviet communist rule until gaining independence of a sort in 1991. It's the YAN Armenia. That's where the names end in YAN. That's the modern republic. It would be like if all of America was eradicated and only, you know, say, New Orleans survived. And then future Yankee descendants came to visit on birthright and felt out of place. So all the basic bitch IANs like myself used to go to modern-day Armenia and bitch and moan about how it doesn't smell like grandma's kitchen. No shit. They didn't have any food for a century. Except for Grechka. I didn't go to Armenia in 2003 because of family. Because I said, never had any family from there. I was taken there by friendship. My best friend's parents had moved there when he was a little kid to fully invest in the ancient fairy tale. So that summer, I went to visit, and for some reason, a lot of things shattered. The illusions of my American high school supremacy, my understanding of reality, my command over reality, were shattered in Yerevan in 2003. And that could have been a coincidence if you're using only facts and logic, but it was also in Yerevan that I was impelled to rebuild those illusions in scattered visits over the next 15 years with more mountainous material. Until in the spring of 2018, those illusions were miraculously restored. And then something from the outside tried to shatter them again. The events of those 15 years between 2003 and 2018 are too historical and complex and dramatic to get into right here. And any snippets or recaps you might have seen on social media, especially Twitter, are not likely to be accurate or adequate or anything beyond a projection of whichever discourse alphabet the poster is typing in. Suffice to say that over the course of those 15 years, a combination of geopolitical ostracism, post-Soviet poverty, political violence, gangster-style government had turned Armenia into a country of anger, suspicion, and civic despair. Mass exodus, brain drain, systematic injustice. There was even a study by the end of that streak that ranked Armenia the angriest nation on earth. But something was hidden beneath the anger, beneath the despair. A certain spirit, which is really hard to describe in words without sounding drunk, but which you know it when you see it in people. You just do. And it doesn't take a genius to see it. 
But it does take a bit of faith to imagine what it might be like if that Armenian spirit could prevail over an entire country, however small, and turn it into a happy fairy tale. Not just for the sake of its own long-suffering people, but also for the entire world to enjoy, including some of the IANs. I saw the spirit when I was in Yerevan, but I saw it in chains, imprisoned, ill-fed, and wasting away toward the land of there was not. And in 2018, beginning on Easter Day, that spirit was unleashed. A revolution transpired that spring in a completely fairy tale manner, often falsely compared to the Euromaidan or color revolutions of more suspicious instigation, but which actually was a completely different thing. It just was not an East-West, KGB versus CIA type of story that lazy analysts and revisionists resort to. The CIA doesn't give a shit about Armenia enough to get involved. After the revolution, a period of national euphoria took hold, and Yerevan literally became the happiest city in the world. No one who went there would say otherwise. Until the plague of 2020 brought war and monsters and completely divided the nation again into two different realities. Or should I say, two competing illusions. On the surface, Yerevan today is still a happy place. It's never been busier. It's never been more prosperous or had so many people from so many places. Never had more IANs. Never had more Russians who have come here to avoid sanctions since the Ukraine war and who are very happy to be here and spend their money here. At the very same time as all that is happening, a deep psychic terror boils underneath. Because of the catastrophic war that Azerbaijan, with Turkey's help, launched in 2020 to retake the disputed but historically Armenian territory of Nagorno-Karabakh and which Azerbaijan reignited just this week by large-scale attacks on civilian towns in Armenia proper to get what they want. And so slantwise from all the joyous life on the streets of Yerevan, the shadow of genocide looms as does the very real fear that all this might vanish forever. And there are people who view the joyous life on the streets, the freedom on the streets, as a cause of the weakness that lost the war. There's never been more there was, and there's never been more there was not. So, I was in Yerevan in a far from unshattered state, and this was my last night. And before embarking on my solo tour, an old friend named Ruben met me on a park bench to say goodbye. Chess fiend, Borges disciple, amateur mythologist, judicial activist, Ruben loudly belongs now to the disillusioned camp. Which is not a surprise since he was deputy minister of justice under the regime that was overthrown in 2018. We chatted about how disillusioned he has become with democracy, 
We chatted about his thoughts on Putin and authoritarianism and the new influx of anti-Putin Russians in Armenia. And like Adam Lehrer a few weeks before, he tried to explain to me why my take on Breaking Bad is wrong and too optimistic about human nature. You can hear my conversation with Ruben on Patreon if you subscribe, but I bring it up here only because very late in the tour when I'm tired and worn down and I sit back down on a bench, I refer to my convo with Ruben, which started the walk, because this formerly obedient servant of power turned loose and wild opposition dissident is nothing if not a character of coexisting illusion and disillusion that only Yerevan could have produced. My mission on this solo tour you're about to hear is the same as it is on just about every other filthy Armenian adventure. A podcast which is part hallucinatory travel show, part existential mystery, part saber dance. To catch the conscience of the king, to catch the spirit of the thing, the true reality of the place, whatever the theme is, there's no king this time. My guest this time is simply Yerevan. And I hope I have somehow managed to catch at least something of its spirit, of its ghosts, of its shadows, in a manner that you can feel. It's not a touristy tour. It's not, it wasn't planned. It's far from comprehensive. I had no idea what I was going to say. I took this walk to see what Yerevan had to say to me in 2022, to take the measure of my people, to take the measure of my and their illusions and disillusions, and to detect the reality that lies in between, because I don't believe disillusion is ever reality, any more than the other thing. I do this every time I go to Yerevan. I go on circular walks in the city center, alone or with others, until I run into some shadows, which I feel comfortable enough to beg, to point the way to wherever the fuck reality is hiding now. Nessarin, Nessarin, Cheskanganel, 
این که سیمار جبیدو کرزل سرمانه ایستادو تانس اورکس پسومن درکس گیشین اورکم سیرومن کامای هویومن یه پیشت نومن Mr. Tumanyan, the architect of the city, and there is a overview shot, a uh, little etching of the of the way he chose to design the city of Yerevan. It's a very um, it's a very specific specific design. I don't know if other cities have it. I would guess that maybe somewhere you would see a similar design. Um, basically, it's a labyrinth. that shoots out from the center. Um, so you've got a Republic Square is the center of the city and the rest of the city connects into Republic Square and shoots out from Republic Square in every direction, all the streets. And as a consequence, all the boulevards are circular. And as my friend Hercule pointed out recently, it's a city sort of designed to create coincidences um, and to manufacture regular, regular encounters between people because what happens in this city, because everyone's sort of going in a circle at all times, um, everyone's running into each other all the time. Every single fucking day, people are running into each other, and part of it's because this is a, you know, this is a small country, and sort of everyone knows each other. But the other part of it is that they're literally running into each other all the time, randomly, with random people running into random people, various points of the city. It even happened to me. Even I have been spotted here um, on this very brief trip in which I've seldom really walked around. Um, even I was spotted by someone, a ghost from 10 years ago. And the same thing happened last time I was here, and it usually happens many, many times over. So this is a labyrinth of a city that's designed to, that's designed to magnetically ram you into other people at all times. As conceived by Mr. Tumanyan, who hunches over in this in this uh, statue tribute to him hunches over his table examining the map of the city with his exceedingly armenian nose pinpointing for him so yeah check out an overhead view of Yerevan I might post one just so you see what I'm talking about It's funny, it's, it's as a, as a uh, kind of, you know, as a visitor here, one who has visited many times, it was always confusing to me because I'm used to the grid format of a city and feeling like I'm always going in a straight line and then it would always lead me astray as I tried to connect just to make, map out a little path. It would always lead, and I still don't have a sense really of where I'm going when I'm crossing a single street 
and you cross that single street, like, and you could suddenly find yourself going in the wrong direction. It's a very odd. But it's also very charming. Because when you have one of these labyrinth cities with a center, it does, it, it is, it's like the center that Republic Square, where I'll walk to soon, is fucking, it's like, it's like the, the Roman Colosseum. It's like, it's as if all eyes are on that square, are on the center. And there is a battle going on there. And sure enough, that literally, for the first time ever, happened. That a battle, a battle erupted there. A the a, a clash was uh, was conducted at Republic Square for the first time. It was a huge square. It's not it's not small enough to be a literal you know football field or track field. It's it's big, um, but. In the revolution of 2018, which you can uh, enlighten yourself about if you watch this documentary that's out there called I Am Not Alone. In the revolution of 2018, it became the, um, the cataclysmic stage as it, as it miraculously filled to the brim with demonstrating citizens. Um, nothing that could have ever been expected at that level. Only to that point imagined. And that's what happened at, at Republic Square. So I always like the idea of, I like the idea of being in a stadium where the, where the stage is in a certain direction and everyone's sort of, at least with one eye, looking at that, looking down at that stage. I've always been, I've always had that. I mean, I've been going to games, as you know, since I was a little boy lots and lots and lots of games at basketball and football stadiums at UCLA, the Rose Bowl, and it trained me for it, but it was like, I had, I was, I was like, once I, it's once I got into words and once I got into literature and, you know, po polemics and politics and all that shit around the age of 14, the first year, once I started to get ideological, and the first year, of the uh, of the uh, new Staples Center, 1999, for the 9900 season, and it was the same year that the Lakers hired Phil Jackson. And after multiple kind of Shaq and Kobe being unable to get even to the finals uh, in their in Kobe's first few years uh, in the league, after a few of those attempts where it seemed like the coaching was lacking, Phil Jackson to me felt like. He was going to. He was going to be the difference, um, and and the Staples Center was opening, so I was excited to finally experience my first Lakers championship, which I hadn't, as a you know conscious fan, ever experienced since they hadn't won one since like '88 or whatever. And so you know, I I remember my first time. It was my birthday, I think. My dad got a ticket for the Staples Center brand new, much, much, you know, much noise about it. Um, and uh, Lakers were doing great. Everything was going exactly as one would have hoped throughout that season. 
Um, it's my birthday. It's also Shaq's birthday, and we it was a Clippers game. It was a Lakers Clippers game, and I believe he had like he ended up getting like 61 points in that game uh, on our mutual birthdays. And I just remember the I don't know. There's a the, there's a circularity because it's an, because the Staples Center is also a hockey rink for the Kings. There's a circularity to it that usually you find in stadiums, not in, in not in, um, in I mean in like you know bigger stadiums, not in basketball arenas. And I just like, I don't know, I liked it. I liked the idea that all of LA, theoretically, is splattered around, you know, viewing what's going on down at the stage, down on the court. I liked that, I, that was, it appealed to me at a visceral romantic level. I am now at the feet of Cascade, which as I described earlier is this long, uh, stairway, but very wide stairway, with many little uh, squares of like to rest, many little squares within it until it gets to the top. It's very wide. I'm not quite sure. It's almost like another piece of labyrinth, but you know, as a uh, rising, large, huge ramp from one depth of the city to a to a higher altitude, and a lot of people come here to just sort of. They, some go all the way to the top, but most of them just find a corner um, by, the in, by one of the square little bush gardens to sit and, and chat and make out and, you know, scheme and whatever and just look around. It's like there's a lot of, there's a lot of such groupings of, of various number. What you don't see too often is single individuals like myself lingering around holding a stiff black object in their hands and uh, seeming to talk to themselves and in fact talking to themselves but one sees all kinds of things right now there's a group of little girls playing under these these tr this tree installment that's artistic and rotating there's a group of four young friends seated side by side below them. One of them's a chick. And that's cool. And they're speaking Russian. What else is new in this day and age? By the way, before the Russian invasion, um, I should say, because despite contra Contrary to popular belief, you didn't actually hear much Russian in Yerevan. The, the, knowledge of the, the knowledge of the Russian language had deteriorated significantly since the, uh, since the fall of the Soviet Union. And so even though officially it's the second language, it's not something that you would overhear ever, really. So overhearing it plenty now marks a huge difference. But it's when you hear the Armenian speaking Russian that you're going to have to start to kind of worry. Because so far it's mostly the Russian speaking Russian. These are, to my left, Iranians. There's also a lot of Iranian visitors to Armenia. Because they can come here and drink. And therefore be human, as Iranians are meant to be, after all. 
And before the Russian invasion, that was the one thing you'd notice is like Iranian visitors because they'd be here in mass. Now it's Russians and also some Iranians and just more of a general mix. I think there's also Ukrainians in there. So tons of people at the Cascade tonight. Oh, there's a lone blonde, obviously not Armenian dude. Let me get closer so I can see. He's Russian. He is so Russian. Oh, he is. That is like Tetris features all the way. All right, I think I'm going to stop halfway and turn around. And look at the city and come go back down and suss out a few more memories. Oh, by the way, up here on the top of Gasgate to the left is this like museum. And it's a museum dedicated to, it's like this column, you know, block squared museum. It's a museum dedicated to Charles Aznavour and in one in which he had a home, like a nationally provided house when he was alive, which is before the current moment, as he is now dead. But he lived a long and pretty healthy life, as it looked to me. He even attended the premiere of my first film in Yerevan. Or at least he snooped around the, uh, the red carpet thingy afterwards because he was caught on camera. Camarade! Isabella. I liked his work in Shoot the Piano Player. Good old movie. Some of y'all should watch if you haven't. Something I've been noticing about Armenia, about Yerevan, um, on this return. And the first time I came here, 2003. Very different place. Um, I don't even know how to, it was, it was so, it was so underdeveloped that it was like, in terms of like, just in terms of, you know, in many terms, but mainly in like cosmetic terms, uh, because it had gotten its shit together in terms of the lights working most of the time, water working most of the time, not all of the time, still not all of the time, but most of the time, uh, more re relatively most of the time in the city center. Not in many other places, obviously, but it was like that. But in, on the surface, like there was nothing, you couldn't find anything. You couldn't find, there was so little available in the way of like cuisine, 
you know, there would be, well, yeah, there'd be one or two of each thing, there would be one or two of each thing, but it would be garbage. And, and you kind of really had just a handful of decent restaurants in the entire city. A lot of things you can't find, um, a lot of basic things, you, like food, you know, pleasure-wise, you can't find in 2003. When I went back in 2009, that had taken a big leap, but it was still relatively restricted up until like basically 2018. And since the revolution happened, it was gradually added a little bit before then, but when the revolution happened, it was like, fuck everywhere now. There's just all these fucking places and nothing has ever gone out of business. Not a single restaurant that had any kind of reputation at all. And it was easy to get a reputation as a restaurant, you know, because it was slim pickings. But all of them are still around, no matter how much competition there is. I don't, I don't know what it is about being a decent restaurant here that guarantees you a permanent lifespan, but it is something. There were all these like phases too before it got into the current current kind of eruption. It was like they first discovered burgers, you know, there would be like one, there was like a one popular little fast food burger place and then burgers became, they, they spread like wildfire, wildfire. And then there was like a wine and cheese phase um, where there was just a bunch of wine and cheese places popping up with that entire identity. A little bit before that, there was a sausage craze. Bought it. You see, upon a recorder, you just send. Recorder. Galucha, galucha, ish galucha. Galucha at at Rusa Galpoharga. Zerta. Oh, yes, I get my palace and it took me a minute to realize that that was a that was a, a super gay waiter doing a classic uh, classic little uh, interruption there. You all heard it. He was asking me. He was asking me about the the head on the microphone, the sleeve, the little fu furry sleeve, and then he's petted the furry sleeve on my microphone, and then he thought, and then he did a whole thing about how he thought that I was carrying around a little pet animal. And it was a big laughter thing, and the guys who were sitting that he was performing uh, uh, for, the, the hot guys sitting down smoking, they laughed at the thing, and it was all bit, <laughs> There you go. I like those things. I like that. I like, uh, you know, we need more of that sass, you know? More of that just public utility sass that gays used to provide reliably. And now they're too stuck up to, to, bend over for come on give us some laughs give us some give us some ha-has all right I'm going to head now to Liberty Square endless amounts of fucking restaurant so another th something I've been tracking because it was the most frustrating part really of being here um, especially if you're going to be here for a bit of time as I had to be for certain uh, missions of several months each you know you start to you start the service the Soviet service 
starts to uh, weigh on you. Um, you know, it's, it sounds cute when you talk about the absolute profound indifference. Indifference at a level that in any other field would be considered a virtue, you know? Like, we are, we are, we are meant to aim and strive to be indifferent in our perceptions and judgments so that we may see the truth and not be colored by bias. Well, the Armenian waiter or waitress is the most unbiased creature ever to exist in the history of mankind. Like, not biased in the slightest to the well-being or interests of the customer. Not in the slightest. Like, supreme court justice, objectivity, and indifference, and detachment. Detachment of the, that the Stoics could only dream of. Um, commonplace among the the uh, Armenian waitstaff community. Just commonplace. All of them have it, possess this magic that the rest of the world starves for. Absolutely no interest in what, what, what or when you're trying to acquire at that establishment and the most, I mean, I was describing earlier how in Armenia, in Yerevan specifically, you run into people all the time you collide into people there's no there's no way around uh getting into the eyeline of of all kinds of people in a day of just being noticed of being you know approached uh you know it's it's constant magnet pinball in a restaurant on the other hand an entirely bizarro contrast universe prevails where no amount of searching or seeking or or prowling or you know calling or yelling or looking or turning your head or walking or exploring or discovering is likely to ever find you your waiter within the first 25 minutes of your arrival it's not going to happen you no matter what you can hire the Mossad to find your waiter not going to happen in the first 25 minutes of your arrival or between your first order and the food arriving and you needing to add something to your order not going to happen or you get the food comes you need to you have some adjustment to make because they've got inevitably they got it wrong good luck finding them to, to, to request that adjustment so that's the general you know that's my recap of service in Armenia and naturally barely very recently, due to all the new places, I'm noticing that there's there are efforts underway at certain establishments. The new fangled, uh, you know, uh, Western freedoms uh, types of establishments. Um, as many would say, although you know, sometimes you have to like abandon your your framings that you're used to in powerful countries and you have to be more like yeah you know it's a good thing unquestionably that there are a bunch of fucking new places trying their best um, because they are the, to you know trying their best to make a to make a make an impact um, you know now thanks to that there's just so much more available um, that's just this is objectively good right like it's not a fucking argument 
And so they're trying to make the they're trying to make the wait the waiters and the waitresses they're trying they're trying to aspire to some sort of something resembling international or at least Western standards of service or at least good standards of service. Um, and you notice that effort underway, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. That is basically going to track the pro the 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 quote unquote development of this country. I feel like how how much the service actually changes, and and you know once that old style of service is displaced, the style which I just described, and what of its virtue? What of where will such indifference be found? Where will such a model of indifference and of and of disinterest and of uh, detachment, so crucial to the intellectual health of a society, where will it be found? Where? Now, another point. Just so you know, I'm being fair. The old style places, of which there are still many, so it's, it's a mixed bag now, so you, you, you still have many, many of the old-school type of places, the ghetto-style Armenian establishments. And I have, current, in my, current, on this current trip, in my current mood, spoiled as I may be, I find myself gravitating to those over the newfangled tootie-tootie ones with better food and better things and better this and that. Just because I feel like, you know, partly I feel like, well, there's, there, was, there is a day coming when this no longer exists. This specific style, this specific menu, this specific service, this specific absolute, 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 you know, it, every fiber of your being and every step of the way, no matter how much eye contact there is even, no matter how much you get a hold of them, their eyes, just the blankness that they produce in those eyes, when you ask for the most simple and obvious item on their menu in the very word of that item, just the most basic shit you can imagine, water, fucking water, fucking uh, pickles, anything, like just the most basic shit, none of it can conquer the neutrality and blankness and utter, utter detachment of those eyes. None of it. Um, and that's the prevailing style, but you can see it, you can see them making very slow attempts at progress. The new places, the old places, don't forget about it. But I've been going to the old places because I just feel like, I don't know, I like that there's some, they carry with them those 30 years or 25 years of post-Soviet, of just post-Soviet, uh, hangover, just that hangover, um, it's a fucking hangover, it's a fucking hangover, and it's a form of, it's a, it's a, it's a it, like, it's like a fucking artifact of a certain style of living where the stakes are just not that, they're just not as high somehow. They're like, there's just, you know, you, you take that, you take several layers of ambition away from society and whatever, all the things that produce it. And you're like, you know, it seems like 
time is not of, does not have the, the value. It's about, it's basically about time. And, and time is considered a far more expendable thing. And there's just a certain, yeah, it's a way of floating around that's very, it's just very different. It's very unique. And I, and, and you know, I can see that it will vanish one day. Um, and as, as impoverished a, a as impoverished a uh, body language and a style of living as that appears to be to the ambitious and to the, you know, hustling, hustling and whatever, there was also a great deal of social warmth and kind of, I don't know, camaraderie, general camaraderie that it cultivates or goes hand in hand with. And I don't think the camaraderie need, needs to go away just because the sh shitty service goes away or anything like that. But just in general, like the kind of world that produced that shitty service is also the kind of world where people have time for each other. Always have time for each other. You take it where you can, where you can get it, right? So, you know, gotta keep an eye out on everything. But I've not, oh, by the way, also, it's, they just fucking, of all the fucking things that they needed to do, all the fucking progress, they fucking passed a no smoking at, in outdoor patios fucking law recently here, for fuck's sake. Thank you very much, Europe. And so now that, you know, very available pleasure of the past, associated to the point where I smell cigarettes anywhere and I think of Armenia. Like, I smell, I smell a cigarette-smoked room anywhere, and it takes me straight over here to Yerevan. So, that's a big part of the pleasure of being here, you know? Like, it's the, the freedoms that you only get on the, on the back end, on the low end. And uh, so now that's banned, but there's a, but, but, but the old school places, the, you know, if they're just, if they, that's how you know they're old school, is that they, they're allowing smoking. There's a few new school places who are also, I guess, wise enough in their sentimentality to allow smoking, so I don't want to rule that out, but overall, it's, it's you can be more, you can more depend on the old school places, and therefore I've been gravitating to them. I don't need to be in the poshest motherfucking place right now in Armenia. Been there, done that. The, you know, that's not my job is to enjoy myself and shit. I want to make sure it exists. That's the most important thing. I don't need to have my finest fucking meal in Armenia. Although I do appreciate something that's a, a very, that's sort of a angular development to everything else that's been going on here. Is that what used to be a purely Eastern, a purely Soviet Armenia uh, society and atmosphere has at long last been penetrated by Western Armenianism in the form of the refugees from Syria and the destruction of Aleppo. So they've, a lot of them have, have, uh, have emigrated here 
and they've opened up restaurants and they know food and they brought a lot of they've you know they've they've brought real Armenian food to Armenia for the first time um, and that's everywhere and that's just in general their their presence is felt and it's made this much more of a uh, pan-Armenian pan-Armenian Armenia versus the Armenia it used to be I'm at Liberty Square now and I should walk back to the bench that was um, a bench that I uh, patrolled through many long winters in the March of 2013, through many long winter nights. Snowy, icy winter nights where we were in the midst of a, an, a protracted uprising owing to the rigged elect presidential election that occurred here that year on February 28. But an election in which the opponent showed was so surprisingly well despite the rigging that was expected that it inspired the people to have hope for the first time in years that a change was possible. So, in the course of that protest of the results of the 2013 election, the opposition candidate named Rafi went on a hunger strike for the second time in his dissident career which lasted uh, somewhere around 21 days. If not 20, yeah, somewhere around 21 days. And so he slept, he sat on this bench here that I'm sitting on right now. And he, then would sleep in a tent at night. And I, when he was asleep, with my friend in the tent with him, it was my job to patrol. Just in case any weird characters might amble over our way. And boy, were there a lot of weird characters. A bunch of fucking car, little toy car things that people are driving around right now on Liberty Square. Liberty Square, day after day, the speeches were made, crowds gathered. Liberty Square is where the solidarity movement began between Armenia, uh, among Armenians, that actually basically began that was the first domino in the fall of the Soviet Union. The solidarity movement with their brothers in Nagorno-Karabakh, and uh, it, that was the first domino that fell. That was the first real, and that that final stretch, anyway. And that happened at Liberty Square, the key demonstration, 
and that, that, that is where it got the name Liberty Square, I believe. It was probably named after some fucking, you know, Russian communist before that. Azaduchun Haraparak. Liberty Square. So, spent a lot of winter nights here at Liberty Square until until the sun rose and shone and the uh, police chief would arrive for a little persuasive negotiating or another member of the cabinet, the incumbent president. Circular, like semicircular. Oh, no, I should mention that Liberty Square is attached to the opera, the famous Yerevan, the famous opera building, circular building, you know, kind of like an iconic part of the city, and especially the center. And this is where any real important performance takes place. It's the opera. Again, I gotta say, you know, if you built yourself an opera, if you're a city that ever in your history built yourself an opera house. Good move, man. That is, when has that move ever gone wrong? Literally, in every fucking city you go to in the world, the opera is a prime, it's like a prime building. Just a building, just like a piece of it. Just forget what's going on on the inside. Just literally, the existence of the building is like a big shiny pearl in every city, every everywhere. Because nobody's building like, you know, the, Gray Cinderblock Opera House, like I don't think, right? Like, if it's the opera, they're gonna make it round and sexy. Even the fucking, you know, Frank Gehry, uh, nauseated type of version of it, even that produced a building in LA, the Walt Disney Concert Hall which like will always be a landmark as long as it's just going to always be there it's never going to be allowed to torn down and it deserve even you know whether you love it or hate it it makes a it makes a fucking mark in this in the sky like that's just what it does so if you have the funds build yourself an opera city cities that need advice just build a fucking opera it'll it'll be around forever Walking down toward the most controversial little avenue in Yerevan, I would say, simply because it's very construction as a kind of rodeo drive, uh, you know, leading straight down to Republic Square as this nouveau reach. Uh, fucking, you know, t uh, tacky, elegant attempt, real intrusion of real, you know, real showing of the schlong there to the impoverished citizens who live, had to be displaced. Highly controversial. And also, you know, architecturally out of place with classic Yerevan. Therefore, you know, another reason, although who knows what the final grade will be because people are starting to like it now. And so it has all these fancy shops. It has, you know, fancy brand shops, super expensive. It has apartment buildings. On top of the shops are apartment apartments. And it has some restaurants, obviously, as well. 
have these peach granite, sort of this peach granite buildings and sidewalk that are all part of the same concept. Um, so I'm going to start to walk down that. Very interesting about Yerevan and the circular. It's really, I've, you know, I've, I've been to now a decent number of cities and it really does, it's really hard to think of an, a one that's similarly like, like where the downtown, where like places of interest, like just in the centers of the center of the city, are still spread out in this interesting way where it's not like in most you know there's a there's this one street there's a second sixth avenue Sefka second avenue whatever it's called where all the places are one strip basically strip style it's not strip at all it's purely this swirl all across the center of the city thanks to fucking mr tumanyan like there's so many there's so many like happening little corners or spots and just even if it's not about happening but even if it's just like where the the, the main cinema is where the uh where the where the an important park is where where whatever these kinds of shops are that those kinds of shops like it's like it's it's all it's all around so that you do you're always walking in circles you have like <laughs> you can't there there's no real like shortcuts in your life that completely exclude a whole segment of the the of the of downtown or the center. There's no there's no down. It's just the center. So whatever. So there used to be, a, I think, you know, one big addition on Northern Avenue that to Armenia was the appearance of a two-story Cinnabon. That was big, and that was a big hit. I should mention that before Cinnabon arrived, the only chains available in Armenia were uh, KFC in the in a different like not the same KFC you know like it's just it's not the same as the KFC we're used to it's different but still KFC and Pizza Hut those are the two I, I went to that fucking Pizza Hut a lot because they had like a big menu with pasta and shit too it's typical Armenian style they can't have like a simple menu no matter what you do they're gonna offer no matter what how specific the place is they're gonna end up offering omelets and they're gonna end up offering pasta and shit I don't know if the Cinnabon is still here though. I have to see. Look it, look it. But it was a big, big fucking thing. And there's like this whole mafia licensing fiasco that explains why there's no McDonald's here. I believe there's no Burger King either. There's no, none of the burger chains are here. Yet burgers are all the rage now here. It's very interesting. Very interesting. In a stupid sort of way. 
right i'm crossing um and under under underground there's like a nightclub or two as well underground i should say i don't know why, i don't know why i have to be so specific because it's obvious i'm not doing a great job of painting any kind of picture for you Perhaps you're following me that I'm walking down toward Republic Square, the center of the labyrinth. I hope down a Rodeo Drive-like, nouveau, cons controversially constructed Boulevard Avenue, whatever Northern Avenue. If you can picture that, well, that's better than nothing. Where are you, Cinnabon? Where are you? Aha! No? What does it say? That ain't no fucking Cinnabon. It's a ice cream thing. I was fooled for a second, I thought. I don't even know what language that is. But it wasn't Armenian. And it wasn't Russian. I don't think. I think this is the Cinnabon, which means it doesn't exist anymore. Well, there's, you see? So, any, so let me revise my statement that any fucking restaurant stays in business, perhaps, except for the international chains. How strange. Oh, there's a Sorisa can, or whatever. So many new places. I've never, I've never been, tar you know, I, fuck. I was always my complaint that there weren't enough new places. And it's finally crossed that threshold. It's surreal to be walking down this avenue right now and feeling the contrast between what it is now and what it used to be. general happiness level is so much higher. Hotel North Avenue, whatever. Some fancy schmancy seeming hotel. We're even at the late the, the, this this Tashir Pizza ghetto ass pizza place. My God, like that thing is a shitty pizza, and it's been here forever. And it's in this fancy area too. And I'm looking at what people are eating. I don't even see pizza. It's like everything but pizza. Because as I said, you can go to a pizza place and have anything. It'll be omelets on the fucking menu and spaghetti and uh, you know who knows lamb. People are starting to wonder what it is I'm up to with my thing here, but whatever. So anyway, yeah, no, none of them were eating pizza. Tush your pizza at the hour of midnight. 
There's something called Coffee House Prime that's open. It's a little stand. Almost Korean vibes. There's three. There's a whole family of five inside. Gnarek. Old man bumping into me. Avenue restaurant, Avenue 11, new thing. I wonder if the jazz club Malhas is still going. <laughs> Somebody's little twirl he was just throwing up just landed on my fucking shoulder. But I am not the type to make a stink about that, obviously. This is fucking... Wait, this is Cinnabon now. It moved down here? It says Cinnabon on the fucking... Oh my god. What a twist. What a fucking twist. This is a major plot twist. The Cinnabon guy is still alive and it's in an even larger location than it was before. It truly is impossible to go out of business. Got a whole nice fancy patio and a big interior too. Big fancy patio and of course at Cinnabon people are having french fries, they're having uh, tacos, they're having pizza. Go figure friends. <laughs> Fucking Cinnabon, they're having tacos and fries. <laughs> called Black Star Burger. In the manner of fast food types of uh, little video menus I see, but also very fancy. And we know they got pizza too, <laughs> because it's showing up on their screen. Their pizza options. <laughs> I don't know if this is as funny as anyone else, but it's funny to me. So, Republic Square, 
let's give you um, some tourist info. There is some big old fancy building I should know the identity of, but don't to my right. As I arrive from the north, I think, down to Republic Square. The National Gallery is the center kind of building on one side of Republic Square, actually the center, because the other side opposite is a, is a little uh, park. And the National Gallery, the main museum, sundry of the finest Armenian art. Walking in, there's a, a big pond, big rectangle pond. Uh, at the foot of the, uh, I never know how to say these things. At the foot of the, the entrance to the fucking National Gallery. Good idea. Nice lamps, nice little quint, quint, you know, five lamp fixtures they have lined up around the Liberty Square. That's pretty sure that's new. Either that's either either that's new, either I'm insane or that's new. And it's nice. It looks nice. And often on summer nights they do like fountain shows at the at this big pond I was just telling you about earlier. You know, the one at the entrance, the foot, the ass, the the cockhead of the National Gallery. Okay, well, the main attraction, really, it, you know, the National Gallery, Schmational Mallory, the real attraction in a place like this, in a Liberty Square like this, given all the dramas that have ever needed to occur somehow there, is the Marriott Armenia. The famous Marriott Armenia. And it is in a classic building in, um, on Liberty and in, in, on Republic Square, and you know you got to give credit to Marriott for getting here first. Those Mormons know how to smell an opportunity. And they are not afraid to go out of their way. So Marriott Armenia, yeah. So it's like you know, it's like the one. It's like. It's, you know, there's, there are, there is a slightly fancier hotel, um, and possibly now multiple slightly, multiple fancier hotels, but, including even another Marriott, I believe, but, uh, you know, up until just a few years ago, this was like kind of the spot for lots of meetings, lots of important people staying. Pretty sure it's where system would downstayed, that sort of thing. And it's just like, you know, it's like the place, like the real, it's like that old school hotel, that old school where a lot of things depend upon that hotel. And very, and also like, you know, back in the days that I was telling you about, the dark days of minimal, minimal uh, cuisine options to satisfy the greedy and gluttonous American, myself. 
I don't know where I was going. But my point is, yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah. In absence of that, in absence of that, and that's those days which lasted until pretty recently, as I was saying, literally since the revolution, there have, the Marriott restaurant here would be desired at times because they have like good fries, bleh, whatever. They have like some club sandwich. If you want a club sandwich, you know, you can get like a, well, you know, you can get a pretty good replica of a club sandwich. Like, oh, some American just, but man, like their, their prices are so expensive. They're like three times what your typical nice restaurant costs. In the rest of Yerevan, so it was always a, like this weird indulgence of just mediocre hotel food. Just as a fucking, ugh, you just needed that vulgarity in your life. You needed it. You needed that American fucking dripping, fucking greasy fucking vulgarity. Like, fuck. At some point, you just need it. But I wouldn't, I would never, I would have no need for it anymore in Armenia because there's just too much, too much else going on that you don't need to depend on that anymore. But uh, the Marriott Hotel, that's where a lot of dramas transpired, including, of course, the face-off in, uh, in the thick of the revolution between then-president, then-prime minister, Serge Sarkisian, and uh, the protest leader who would effectively overthrow him within days and take his place. Through peaceful protest of the people. There's a time and a place for everything. down. I'm at the opposite side of the National Gallery. I've walked in a semicircle. Um, I'll try to take a picture of it for the sake of you guys. Just so you get a smell. Shit, it's going to be hard to take, these, take a picture, so... picture of the Marriott. Now I have to keep walking down this forest even though it's really taking me out of my way. Simply because it is down this path where we find the existence of, I can't remember whether the official name is Friendship Park or what other kind of wonderful, charming park 
that additionally functioned as a tranny prostitute park. A definite tradition that I was witness to myself, not as a customer, or as a uh, vendor, in my own eyes, in my own life. And that actually existed here. Fuck. And, apparently, you know, not surprisingly, it was always said that the number one customers for that industry came from the halls of power. Big shocker there. But it's it's kind of cool that it existed, don't you think? So I'm just keep walking down. There's a big, it's like, I don't, there's, there's gotta be a word for this. I don't know. There's a mall to my left and I'm, I'm in the middle of like this, you know, big like grass, grassy, wide cement divider between two sides of the street. And there's plenty of establishments on this d divider, you know, little cafes and things. And lots of trees and greenery, therefore making like a forest-like in the opposite direction from the center of the city. To me, it's down, but it's not, there is no down. It's, uh, I think, whatever, it's either south or east, or west, or, you know, what's the other one? North. It's one of those four. Like, it's not, a, it's not that big of a mystery. You've got the suspects really narrowed down when it comes to which direction are you walking in. So never need to panic, really. is some kind of, you know, austere building to my left. Some sort of important building, you know, government perhaps, treasury, some bullshit like that. Oh, there's some Western Armenians ranting off to the side. Can't tell whether they're Syrian or Lebanese. It's there's a certain nasality to the way they're speaking Western Armenian. A certain nasal quality. One learn one one. It's so easy to detect these things, you know. We train ourselves not to. Watching Armenians amble around contentedly. It's such an, you know, in a way that I guess it fits, but. 
but uh, better to be complacent with a smile than complacent with a frown. If you know what I mean. And the thing is that I am hellbent, obviously, on sending a shockwave through their system and just like fucking waking them up, you know, like in just in my general disposition to my people. That's what I would, that's what I would, that's what I would, would in the old sense of that meaning, I think, do. Um, on the other hand, it's a it's tough, man, to, it's tough to see people who are enjoy enjoying their lives and tell them they need to do something different. It's like... That's why I'm, you know, maybe that's my lesson in modesty or whatever the fuck. I have to accept, I have to accept this fucking thing as immovable. I don't know, I don't know. It's a complicated thing, man. I'm feeling so non-judgmental. I should really change that. So I'm in some fucking park that I don't, this is a new construction, Yerevan 2800th anniversary park. It's a new construction, very lit, very lit. No, no rough trade possible in these bright lights, my friend. No, no, no. These bright lights are for the most legal trade imaginable. Legal. Certified. Stamped with the approval of society. Uh, it's nice to see a bald young man flirting with two Armenian ladies, also young. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice scene, you know, pretty chicks, super Armenian, super Armenian bro. Just get, just trying to get them, get them excited, get them off, and they laughing at him. They're laughing as they vape that whatever. They're laughing at what he say. They're finding the charm in this fella, who is after all their fucking brother. 
let's be honest. I am, the, I am the most illegal thing going on in this park. People looking at me. I am literally the most, the naughtiest, the most illegal thing going on at, at a park at 1 a.m. That's a problem. never gonna find it but somewhere down here and there's like this fortress here I think this is the uh, interesting fortress here I should probably maybe it's a prison um, I'm gonna get showered on here and uh, this is a this is a memorial here of the slain I think further down, further down. I mean, a pretty fucking big city, after all. Like, it's, after, at a certain point, you start to realize, oh, there's some size in this place. You know, it's just at the, it's the downtown, um, it's the center. It's the center segment that has its own tight-knit culture. But there's a lot beyond that. There's a lot beyond that center wealthy segment relatively and they too live don't they um, and uh, it's I can't say that, you know, to my shame, that I have a real good idea how. Although I have many, um, I have many over interactions with, like, the poorer Armenian type. And from what I can tell, it's pretty, it's just a more, it's just a more, it's just a rougher version. It's really just a rougher version overall. And kind of across the board. And there's no, I don't know. There doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like seem like you know I would expect that if you were casting the net out nets out for talent talented brains in Armenia I don't know that 
that the, that class limits intelligence. I feel like uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but it feels like you know the the genius kids. And this could be just because the overall sample size is so small. But like, if you were to cast out and say, "Well, where are we going to find our next genius chess player?" Or this is a country that's very successful at chess and has had uh, even most recently a number two chess player, Levon Aronian. So, um, you know, the eyes are cast out. Where, where is it most likely that such an intel intellectual game will produce its next prodigy? Well, you would think that it would you would, you would vastly favor percentage-wise the the kind of the elite, but it's much more. It's going to come from somewhere out. In the, it's going to come from just somewhere out, out, out in the out in the field. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of brainy people, and they can. It's very easy for them to rise here. If you're if you're intelligent, it's just fucking easy. But that, that, that may not be the case everywhere. I don't know, man. Maybe they, maybe they built this giant fucking building on fucking Tranny Park. That would be something. This weird, strange ornate building. He nevertheless does not seem old. Oh, this is the fucking tower. Yeah, but it still looks weird now. Up close it looks, um... It looks more modern than it did at a, from afar. Alright, I'm gonna give up on Tranny Park. And head back into the comfortable confines of the city center. Even though there's nothing at all frightening about the outskirts of our of Yerevan, there's nothing. It's it's, uh, it's, it's it should be said because it ain't it ain't uh, it ain't something to be taken for granted at all. But I do not believe there is a single alley or street, let alone neighborhood, in Armenia, the entire country where you need to be worried about your safety. I don't think that exists in this country. And that includes, I believe, that that includes women. Not that there aren't individual, you know, problems to be, that are always possible, but as, a, as an entire street, as an entire neighborhood, as an entire fucking, like, no. It's just not part of it. So that's, that's good. I'm just waiting for the light to turn. Oh, another thing, the red lights here, they have a counter. So you see how many seconds are left to the red. 
I mean, you know, it's, it's helpful. I don't know why I don't see that anywhere else. I don't think I've ever seen it any, anywhere else. This is like our one little technological uh, little trick up our sleeve that we're hiding from the world. <laughs> what would be so hard about just putting a ticker that's visible as, as, much, as visible as the little, as the hand or as the little walkie guy? to show you how much time there's left so you can make your little pedestrian decisions. Help a pedestrian nigga out. And even for the driver, you know, there's 90 seconds on that red. You can check your phone. Eh, come on. But if you see there's only 11 seconds, you ain't gonna check that phone. Less accidents occur. So this might be a reason, we were, I was talking about this the other day with my friend who lives here, and he was, he was saying that, I mean, you know, I made this observation myself in an article I wrote about my first trip to Armenia uh, 19 years ago. I made the observation that somehow, despite the absolute insanity of the driving and the appearance of infinite accidents being nearly averted uh, at, at, you know just like constantly as you look at the street despite all that it didn't seem like anyone actually got into any accidents that was I remember writing that in that thing 19 years ago and for some reason I allowed myself to be brainwashed uh, or or in some way to arrive at the belief that that can't be the case, especially given how bad Armenians drive in Glendale and get into accidents and make, make headlines. It can't be the case that people aren't constantly dying in accidents, uh, you know, like endlessly in this fucking country. But sure enough, he reminds me a few days ago that still accidents are rare. And so now, if we're searching for explanations, perhaps this little secret that I have unveiled where there's a fucking ticker that helps people know how much time they have and shit. I don't know, that's probably overblown. Still, it's convenient. It's just, let's just pick, let's just like, look, how about we just, how about we just copy that idea if there's literally nowhere else that's doing it? Because I still haven't seen one that does. Very, very nice and pleasant night here in Yerevan on August, whatever the fuck, nine. I can't even go up all the fucking streets that, I can't, I don't think I even have the legs to get to the point where, to get to the part of Baramian where I was arrested for the first and only time of my life and taken to Arapkir police station Maybe one day I will post a video of that. Cute event.
on April 9, 2013. Where the fuck? Oh, okay. All right. Got it. People say you that people, you know, people talk about cities where people say hello on the streets to each other as a good thing. I guess it depends on what condition your condition is in. Big fucking building that I also don't recognize, another one. That must be the library I was being told about. Fuck. Well, I must have lots of fucking new things. A real eruption of new shit. At long last. But how much of it will be good enough? Do not know that language either, unless it's a very weird type of Farsi I have not previously heard. This fucking building looks like the Bellagio Las Vegas, literally. It literally is a piece of the Bellagio Las Vegas. That's the that's what this building looks like. It's like they've taken like a, they just made a miniature Bellagio kind of the same same exact window type. Those like big black with the grid windows, sink, yeah. <laughs> I bet you anything, whoever thought of this fucking building is like, has a thing for the Bellagio in Las Vegas. I, I would bet all my money on it. And I don't blame him. But that's a pretty fucking cool hotel. I love playing poker at the Bellagio and I love looking at it. I love looking at it from the outside and I love looking around on the inside. So how can you blame an Armo motherfucking architect for having a fucking fixation with the Bellagio and making it the single pure and total inspiration for this expensive new building? I got a good close look at it. I'm impressed, I'm impressed. If it's good enough for Steve Wynn, it's good enough for us. So, a song that you might, I should mention here. Another character oft, often present at Liberty Square with us. 
present in one way or the other. Many <laughs> he has he has tested most of the ways of being present. In his in his fucking long and loony ass life. Loony. He's a loony fucking bard. Singer songwriter Ruben Hachverdian, the Bob Dylan of Armenia, lyrically. Lyrically, the Bob Dylan of Armenia and folk style. Gypsy folk style, musically, in a way, but gypsy inspired. And, uh,. He has a song. He has many good songs. Many songs that I really dig. And very, with a very, a very unique breath. Um, and he has one called Hosker, which means words. And it's a long, it's a long, it's one of those like long Dylan-esque like state of the cost, like kind of like state of the soul of a city, state of a soul of a nation type of songs, right? Because <laughs> it's he's really expressing like he's really expressing like how deep the Armenian idea can go the kind of in a patriotic sense like how deep the Armenia love can go and still be oppressive still be some still be something beautiful you know and divided by all the uh, the trials of life and whatever like instead of, as opposed to provincial obsession. So, so yeah, that song's really beautiful. Um, I mean, it sounds nice even though you don't know the lyrics. There's a line in it that always stuck with me because of how, the way he performs it. And I don't even know the full line. I have to find fucking, I have to fucking uh, look it up how the full line goes but there's but the way he sings it it's as if there is a line in which he goes I love you these words I love you these words and it's really I love you period these words and then da 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 he had, you know continues the thought uh, to that, that thought but the way he performs it, the way it always landed to me was, I love you these words. A case of possibly profound baby talk. Right? So I love that line. So, you know, that explains why I might play that song later on. And I'll try to... I'll try to look up the full-on-ass lyrics as well to help out the situation and see if they measure up to that to that one snipped out line 
back at the square, Congress Bank, situated in another one of the circular pillars of the square. The red brick, what is it called, that material, that, that stone is made of. That kind of pink stone, the pink stone, if it's pink. If it's, that's what it's called, that's what it looks like, it's pink. The pink stone city. This is the pink stone. It's in these, in these circular pillars around Republic Square. Another nasality meets my ear. Very distinctly nerdy Ar uh, Western Armenian, I think, diction, but whatever. Either way, it was Armenian. I think it was Western. So interesting when you see, like, you could be literally talking another language and it'd have the, exactly the same tone. I just have this, I just have this very traumatic sense lately that, of how few my people are and how close they are to extinction. I wonder why. Policeman. Checking out their phones. Explaining things to each other passionately. And all things considered, I don't think the, the current, at this moment, Armenian policeman is as bad as they come. Though, maybe, who knows, but I don't know. There's something that seems... There's an overall honest gait, I'm noticing in at least this group, with a few exceptions. Alright, I'm walking up the other avenue. Can't see what it's called or remember. I'll figure it out at some point. I gotta tie my pants, hold on. All right, I'm back. Walking up past the National Gallery on the other side, saying goodbye to the last two fountains that I was so charmed by. I mean fountains, the last two lampposts that I was so charmed Charmed by, oh, there goes one, and then now I'm at to my last lamppost before I am beyond the lampposts for this night. And in this final lamppost, almost as a tribute to me, one of the five lamps has gone out. 
So there you go. Farewell, lamppost. See you next time. And as I turn back one more time to look at that lamppost, the one in question was being blocked by another lamppost, so I couldn't, I didn't have to see my fantasy of the lamppost having turned back on. Demolished. a big uh, this is must be where Hermitage is I must be where if I'm not mistaken the big Saturday flea market takes place Hermitage it's called and you can buy all kinds of items there I don't need to tell you that artisanal you betcha rustic and shit carvings and uh, wood ooh, carpets and ooh woven things and art oh you know there's art at the big vernissage or hermitage i don't remember hermitage i don't know what it's called anymore versace vernissage i don't know but whatever it is it happens here on saturdays and, you know you'll shop here if you ever come as a tourist i'm sure they'll tell you to come They'll sell wooden carvings of stereotypical Armenian noses as if, de as if designed by Azerbaijan. Maybe they've taken those off the market now, who knows. to walk up pond the Kino Moskova any moment now and I may be in a completely wrong place more pity me the fool the jackal the idiot who can't remember which street is which in Yerevan Which will it be? Will I have failed in my most basic memory compass? That would be absurd. There has to be the Kino Moskova coming up, and that's the big cinema. The Kino, you know, you get it, you know what Kino means. and attached to it a hotel that used to be called the Golden Tulip and was the one slightly fanci fancier than the Marriott. Now it's called something else, whose name I can't remember. Before being called the Golden Tulip, I think it was called the Yerevan Hotel. So you had Marriott and you had the Yerevan Hotel. Those are the two, the two top ones. I believe the man who passed me was definitively Iranian. Passing by a pub here, nicely lit up. Another thing I gotta say, you know, and you, you know where I'm coming from on this, but 
very pleased with the with how late the restaurants in this town stay open. Are there 24-hour restaurants? I don't think so, except for the fast food. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not that that ideal. It's not like that ideal. But it is its own ideal in that there are a lot of places that are like serving food and dessert and yeah, anything you'd want to eat really, like until 4 a.m. You know, until uh, until late, depending on when you need it. It's kind of there, it's sort of deal. So it does have it does go a long way. It's well, it's a, it's 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 much better than your average button-down European city where everything closes at 9:30. I walked into a restaurant today, you know, on my, uh, earlier for lunch. Saw that they were, I was looking for eggs, they didn't have it, you know. You see, they're the one, they were the one place that doesn't have omelets. They had a good looking menu and so on, regardless. And, uh, for meats or whatever, it's like meat-centric place. Just, it's a meat place, like that's what it is. And just to make conversation as I return the menu and refuse to sit down, uh, I asked I asked him how late they're open. And he said, until 1.30 a.m. Not bad, not bad. You know, for just like a, a average sit down meat place. That also serves drinks. Not bad, so yeah, good. Feeling fucking lost here, guys. I expected to happen upon the Kino Moscova, but I'm just lost, and I think I made a wrong turn. Um, somehow. But how, my friends? Where did I go wrong? And it's told you, it's just to get lost in these circles. Circles. You get lost in these circles. La la la. I need to go this way because there's this there's an abovian that somehow sneaked over to me. Go fucking figure. Alright, now sounding like an idiot. I'm going to have to make a move. Very confusing to me. Very weird. Friendliness comes at a cost, I guess. And so does imagination. But you gotta be willing to pay it. It's all good if you're willing to pay it. But you know, in these dark streets, one is reminded. I mean, I've been walking down a dark stretch of the city. Lights are out. The lampposts, the very, very same lampposts that I thought ran out at the square are here too. But, big difference, they're not lit. They're completely dark, and it's, and, and you know, it's easy to see this as a, symbol, a symbolic of, of leaner times where, you know, much of the city is just dark. There's no people, and there's no action, there's no light. And, you know, it doesn't feel great. I don't think anybody prefers this. 
unless they're trying to get to sleep. But in terms of walking around in it, I don't think anybody prefers this. Alright, I'm on Pushkin now, and I think it's going to take me to more familiar terrain. And I now realize the mistake I made. I only now realize the mistake I made and how, and how the cracks formed from Republic Square. I'm going to keep that information to myself because there's no way to explain it in a way that makes sense to anybody. But at least I, at least I have unlocked a minor puzzle in my own head as to how I could have been so fucking retarded as to go the way I did. Yerevan at night, on foot, in the summer. And now Pushkin has generously brought me over to Abovian. Thank you, Pushkin. And it is on Abovian I know that the Kino Moskova exists. It is on Abovian Street. There are a lot of fucking scooters, and I gotta say... They do strike a note that is slightly gay. But when a man is riding with a, with a woman wrapped behind, it does bring a measure of calm to one's mind. Oh yeah, that's another, the, the other chain I forgot to mention that was like way early for some weird reason. But it doesn't count because it doesn't taste anything like a real donut. Like, I guess it does taste like a real donut, but like yum yum donuts. Of all the fucking things, yum yum donuts. And I think it's still fucking here. It's right here, I'm looking at it right now. You know, American style donuts, but nah, just something missing from the, missing from the equation, you know what I mean? but a facsimile, a facsimile nonetheless. So, we got to see that throwback to 2003. I just saw somebody was wearing a Joker mask and it's like, no, she's just Armenian. And there are people who look at all this and they, they see weakness. They've trained themselves to look at all this and just see weakness. Such as my friend Ruben. And it's very important to kind of understand how much of such a critique is true, how much of it is necessary, the answer isn't zero at all. But it's also, it's necessary to understand how you know, critiques have different levels of truth. Especially when they come with no proud alternative in mind, only a sort of hazy, hazy wishful thinking. 
And so now I am at the much ballyhooed former Yerevan, then Golden Tulip Hotel, which is now called, if I can find it, the Grand, the Grand, the Grand, ow, what? The Grand North Yerevan. No. Grand Hotel Yerevan. Grand Hotel. Grand Hotel. It is a grand hotel. It's part of some connection called Small Luxury Hotels of the World. Badevtes. Just so he doesn't think I'm crazy. I said that Badevtes, you know. That's the guard stepped out of the, uh, the Grand Yerevan Hotel. And now I'm at... I think it's called Charles Osnabur Square or some shit. But it's in front of the Kino Moskova, the big famous theater, cinema in Armenia. It's a nice building on the outside, nothing special on the inside. As I recall, I think I've only been there a few times. But it's a cool old ass, cool little thing. Cool, cute, doo doo doo. It's another like uh, curve it, curve shape. What's playing there now, I wonder? Here are a bunch of uh, paintings of Osnabur as an old man. A man doomed to be remembered as old because he lived so long. But we all need our grandpas, don't we? One grievance I have against my people, the one and sole grievance I have against my people is that they make me sound crazy. make me sound crazy when I try to talk about them. Usually. This is a cute little street. It goes up a while. I mean, we're still on a Bovian. Bovian's gonna go all the way up. As we said, all these streets, they go all the way. All the way. They thread that needle right through the center, the Republic Square. We said this already. So I'm gonna be led somewhere that I'm not quite familiar with on, as I keep climbing a Bovian, but I don't care. Because one way or another, I'm gonna end up home. That's another thing this city does. It's just one way or another, you will end up home. You ain't gonna end up stranded on the street. And should any stranding happen, I know of at least one place that'll actually take care of you. Oran, it's called. Haven. Haven. 
Hey, get, get me one of those Coke Zeros in the glass bottle. Really enjoying those Coke Zeros, Ben. In the glass bottle, much better, Vin, than the, than the shit they made, they put out in the, oh my god. Really tastes like a real, like a, ah, I just love it, Vin. All right, well, whatever, I am where I am. That's, that's the bottom line. I'm sorry I can't give you more, guys, but I'm just, I'm somewhere, oh, here's the Ani Hotel. So this was the third, and I and, and definitively finishing third, D in a distant third, in that hotel, you know, that ho of that hotel elite that I mentioned before. This is the one that's kind of been around for a long time. Still decent enough that people will, you know, like middle-class tourists will stay there, and it's a place people stay. And it's a functional hotel, but it's a big hotel too. But it's always, always like a step down from Marriott and two steps from Hotel Yerevan, Golden Tulip, Grand Yerevan. But it does kind of have Beirut vibes. Um, now these guys are really suspicious of what I'm doing. I'm gonna have to keep it down a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, gotta be a little Armenian Elvis, uh, know what I'm saying, to get through this night here without some serious questioning that I don't want to deal with right now in a, in a dialect I'm not really familiar with, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So I'm just gonna talk like this for a minute here. Continue looking at Donnie Hotel. The Donnie Plaza Hotel, I mean. Good. Hotels are a good sign. Alright, I think I'm back. Stray dogs, another big difference. There used to be lots of feral stray dogs looking angry, angry, angry. And they've taken care of that problem. And the stray dogs now that exist are docile, and there are far fewer of them than before. And my favorite, my favorite stray dog ever, the fellow that I gave the name of Messrope to. And Messrope was this big furry mutt, shaggy big, big fucking mutt, that you know, mostly white with color, like, like dyed in with other colors kind of, kind of deal. Messrope amazed me one day when I just saw him come beside me at a stoplight, uh, at a green, you know, at a red light, pedestrian. Light turns green and he crosses the street along with the rest of us as if he's just another person too. And just the way, the way in which he did it, the way, the, the way in which he just absolutely was, just, Camo like just camouflaged with the humans, just he, he passed. Trans, he was trans, he passed. He did it exactly the right way. Come to a stop, wait for the light to turn green, then cross the street in a, in a you know, moderate manner. And I noticed that this was the habit of the dog. He kept, I kept seeing him do it. And I was just enamored of this 
very disciplined, self-disciplined, I should say, self-disciplined dog. And he lived out there forever and it gets cold here in the winter. I saw him once freezing and he didn't want to be touched. He growled, didn't, was it, he just when we reached out to him, seeing him in the cold. Finally, after the revolution, a woman adopted him. Oh, is that, a, is that such a happy ending for Mesrop? Apparently he's a lonely woman and she's everything to him and he's everything to her. Oh, what a great story, honestly. I can't believe it. And it's been a long time. It was like 2012 when I first encountered Mestrop. Mestrop Mashtots is the creator of the Armenian alphabet and other achievements. And, I, and the reason I named that is because he was on Mashtots Avenue when I saw him across the street. Perhaps, perhaps, that is the spirit of the alphabet man himself, keeping an eye on things. Here is a tribute, a statue to a band, a three-person band, three flutes, but, and it's, the late photograph, Levon Madoyan, Vachehov Sepian, and Zhivan Gasparian. So these are three, those are three Duduk masters. The Duduk, that the flute-like, but sad, sad and kind of echoey, canyony, mountainy sound, you know. You know, like, that moaning sound. Those are three masters of the Duduk, considered the best three. I've heard that Jivan Gasparian might not be up to the level of the other two, but that's just gossip. Because I am nothing if not incapable of levying a judgment on Duduk virtuosity. All right, I'm getting to the point where I'm at that fucking supermarket that I went to art with last night. All right, better get not, not get run over. No, 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 there you go, Alec. You made it across the street. Why did the Armenian chicken cross the road? To get away from Turkey. Oldie but goodie. Sass. Supermarket. Sass. Probably owned by some guy named Sass. Sass, Supermarketovich. Here's the KFC, and I believe it's the OG one right here, folks. The big old KFC for the, in a little park, basically. Cute little park with your KFC and your 
differently fried, like the skin is somehow less dense. It's a little more, it's like more flaky, crispy, less of that dense sort of southern, southern coden skin. Whereas the skin is never just skin deep. Just a little bit more perfunctory over here, a little bit more. So that's the KFC I'm walking past. As I circle my way back to Cascade. Circling! I know I'm circling now. I can see the bend in the road. Classic. This is the, uh, looking at the, uh, the old kind of low ceiling, but kind of spread out type of restaurant with a band always playing. Kind of a very uh, oligarchic hangout, but also, you know, just just from with from the old days, the point that kind of anybody, a lot of tourists would go there too. It's the kind of place you can't really avoid going if you have a little bit of money and enough to go out to places and take guests and shit. And it's a place where famously a man insulted then President Robert Kocharian and then or his bodyguard, I don't remember which, said something in the bathroom and the bodyguard beat him to death. And it was a significant low point in the uh, civic esteem of the Armenians who live in the Republic. Little incidents make history sometimes. I have such a ghostly relationship to this place, similar to my ghostly relationship everywhere else. I am a ghost here as I am everywhere else so far. Been here so many times, poured so much of my heart and soul into the affairs of this place in, the, in my particular way, and yet, I am but a ghost. A ghost, but not a stranger. And there's a big difference there, I think. All right, this is a lot of this. Ah, okay, I, I jumped the gun. I, now, I am now at the place I previously described. So uh, in case you're curious, you're not, because you're not walking with me, so it doesn't matter. But you know, I was just like, oh yeah, here's a place. And there was just another park-like place with a place to eat. And like, this is a very parky, but there's a restaurant type of uh, little strip here. Like, ah, oh, it's a lot of green, there's a lot of trees, there's grass to play around, there's swings and shit too here and there. There's also restaurants, there are some of them are nice. Oh, it's a cute little park, how about that? Whee! Nice little family-friendly area, you know what I mean? You can see why it, it appealed to people even in the very earliest stages of pleasure innovation. We put so much innovative energy behind pleasure, don't we? 
and we feel guilty about that, do we not? And is there any fucking point in feeling guilty about something that is a human necessity and a fact of life? Which is our interest and pleasure. I don't think so. It does feel like the interest and pleasure should not be opposed, futilely, but should be worked with and harnessed and seized for all the deeper things or the greater things, the more important things, seized for, for their advancement and seized toward their end and not demonized, perhaps. Just thinking out loud. Chocolate gallery where I bought my chocolates for my friend's mom's birthday. Very, very conveniently located. It's another thing, you're not very far from just about anything. Oh, here's another Yum Yum Donuts. How, how would you like that? There's two of them now. I didn't even realize they had doubled in size. Who knows, there might even be a third. There's two. Everywhere, every, every fucking thing stays in business. You're gonna ask me, why would Yum Yum Donuts, when it's not serving a good version of the American donut, but a, a mediocre one, and when there's a very popular domestic donut here called the Bonchik, very popular. It's like a, basically like a beignet. It's very highly popular, and they also make it with filling. Like, how does this fucking Yum Yum actually survive day in and day out? Two of them. And here they are. We are a people who do not believe in going out of business. I try to be generous when talking about my people because so few of the intelligent ones are. From what I can tell. desperate request regarding a house poker game in the Jewish Fairfax district of Los Angeles at which I am desperately invited to return now that there are many years of COVID ups and downs that prevented the game from happening are at a rest perhaps I got plenty of advice about the vaccine from the man who hosts the game and who works at the hospital. It's all mapped out. Anyway, back to Tumanyan, where we began. And while there are many other places I could go, there are many other memories I could pin. I do believe that this, this walk should come to a close pretty soon. 
because there's just, just, just too much, there's too much to talk about. feel like getting into the new hipster places that I don't even really know much about. I don't know much about these new hipster things that are going on. These updates, I'm glad they're happening, of course. I just haven't, I haven't really explored them or had the uh, desire to explore them. But yeah, sometimes, a lot of the times, even pleasure leads to something good. I think I'm gonna sit down on a bench by Tumanyan, pull out a cigarillo, and fucking smoke a cigarillo, and you know, if any thoughts occur to me, I will share them with you, obviously. The question is, how am I gonna light my fucking cigarillo when it's blowing so hard? Oh, but it's so, so pleasant. Oh, this cool down, you know, blue, Kind of lukewarmy, but just cool enough breeze. Perfect. Oh. Oh. All right, I'm gonna try to light that cigar. I got it in my mouth. I just gotta find my lighter. Here is my pocket. Jerry. My theory is this. Something about the air here is friendlier to the task of lighting your cigar cigarette. Because I feel like the same quantity of wind back home in Hollywood makes it impossible to light your shit up. You have to find absolute fucking peace to light it up. But here, even with a steady breeze, I was able to light it up before too long. Yes. We know that liberalism is facing a loss of faith. Because it didn't do a good enough job of policing itself. just keeping itself in check. But that's the da that's the fucking habit of the beast. And so the question is going to be whether it overcomes this particular self-inflicted challenge to itself hurdle self self-constructed hurdle or self-crafted sword aiming within its own aiming its own at its own belly
well, it's going to be able to overcome it. As it's had to overcome other colossal challenges in the past. The only really cool aspect of living here, not living here, but necessarily, but I mean, um, actually, it's not even living here at all, but more like visiting here, more like shifting my political focus to here first, you know, versus where it is when I'm thinking about myself. Is, is the, up until recently, um, you know, complete detachment from the binary of the United States, the liberal conservative thing that, like, you know, because up until the revolution, everyone was kind of on, no matter what ideology they had, they were all kind of on the same side, you know, except for the f very small minority that thought the oligarchy was doing a good job. So it's, it's like ideology was really not that important. And now it's extremely polarized, so it's different. But the polarization is, I don't think, it's not, um, it's deep, but it's way too chaotic and confused to be, uh, it's way too chaotic and confused and blinded to be, you know, to aspire to be called ideology. It's, it's more like, a, it's more like there's just a, there's a memory, there's a very strong memory rift. It's a pure memory rift. Some people are forgetting certain things. Some people are forgetting other things. They're choosing to, to forget other things. They're saying, no, no, no. No, 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 no. You must forget these things. You must forget these things. Not, not, uh, not recognize these other things. You must forget these things. And they're saying, no, no, no. We must forget these things. Competition of competition of creative forgetting instead of fucking learning from all angles. Very frustrating sometimes. But some would say it's a very classic divide right now between the Western Orient, Europe-oriented and the Russia-oriented, but nobody knows what they're talking about when they talk about the Russia-oriented. They're just assuming there's a certain local uh, integrity to that. They're not, they're not actually scrutinizing it on the ground when they assume that there's a traditional kind of Russian alternative to the liberal strivings of the bourgeoisie. Nobody's put in the work to analyze the flaws of that general approach. It's a very, it's an approach that's very limited, you know, it's not like, I don't know, it's like, were the Russians ever known for their governance? They're known for ev everything but their governance. I should just say, I should say respected. Yet, you know, it's hard to govern. 
You gotta look at it that way too. Who says it's easy? It's really hard to govern when people change. It's hard to track change when it's happening. You have to really have a carefully trained eye and you have to see things a bit ahead of, coming ahead of time in order to really track changes that's happening. And if you see things coming ahead of time, they're gonna bias the way you see things as they happen. So you see, there's really no fucking way out of this little pickle. met a self-proclaimed exile from the lands of liberalism, Ruben. My understanding of his road to getting here would have a lot more details and basic face-to-face -face confrontations with and questions and decisions and forks in the road to have gotten him to where he is today. And if things turned out differently and there was no revolution and everything remained in the prior state of things, his ideological confidence and his, you know, his now proudly assumed dissident role would not have existed at all. It's all a gift of the revolution <laughs> that, he, would, that he despises. And a lot of this fucking anti-liberal sentiment I'm noticing and I'm not going to blame anyone until I give them a chance to fully explain themselves, which is a hard thing to do with some people. They're not very good at explaining themselves, at least of all to themselves. So, you know, I'm sure he's been putting a lot, he's a very, very smart man. He's a brilliant chess player. He's been a uh, Borges, he's a, he's a very big Borges, Borges, uh, uh, an admirer who himself had, has crafted mythologies in his young free time and thinks about things in a very, very kind of universal way. Um, he's always looking at things in a universal way and drawing big, looking to draw big conclusions. Always. And, and also looking to draw, you know, like legalistically draw up counter arguments as well. It's kind of part of his, you know, it's part of his toolkit, but um, I don't know where I was going with this. He's very smart. But this is a, this ideological little horse he's on is one that It's 
one that he, one that he was he was thrust on by the revolution. And is generally the result of, you know, far more, I think, personal decisions that were made through his life rather than anything to do with ideology. You know, decisions of what kind of jobs to take. And it seems to me, as I was saying, I think, earlier, it seems to me, I didn't finish this thought, that a lot of anti-liberal sentiment is this sort of a hazy memory. It's like a hazy memory situation. And it's a justification, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big rationalization for a lot of hazy memory. A big filling in, coloring in the, the blanks. Let's blame it on the Western influence. It's easy to blame shit like uh, the gay stuff and the uh, women's stuff. Even the women's stuff is easy. It's easy to blame that shit because it's so harmful at, in the U.S. In a sense, the uh, I mean, you know, the way wokeness has gone in the U.S. has been so punitive to anybody with a skeptical mind that it's easy to assume that that is also what is. The, uh, what is a bad influence when Western ideals touch a an exotic foreign land, you know, exotic land with more traditional history, different traditional history, but that doesn't have its that's not as it's not playing as big a part as people think out here, <laughs> and the part it is playing, eh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good that there's fewer kids being beaten up and shit. I don't know. Like, you know, it's not like we're seeing a whole bunch of fags walking around. We're not. We're not seeing any more fags than there were before. It's the same number of fags. Some of them are more open about it. A lot of them are more open about it, but they're not too open. But they're a little bit, they're more, they're, they're chill. That's, that's not, that's not, these are not the things that, these are not the things that make the, that make the, uh, that, these are not the things that are like grinding things down here or in places like this. Just a different story. But it's hard to remain too liberal when you're constantly attacked by your neighbors. Oh my god, there are two dogs playfully playing, two straight, I think they're straight dogs, playfully playing grab ass and like wrestling cutely. And maybe trying to hump each other. But it looks like they're both into it. They're playing rough though. Ooh. But they're they're giving each other an equal amount each. So cute though, it doesn't seem mean at all. They're literally playing. God, I haven't seen that in forever. Two dogs just straight up playing with each other. Same size, decent sized dogs. I think they're in love. Dogs literally wrestle when they're in love. That is so cute. 
total replica of wrestling, human wrestling. Oh, they're so cute. Maybe I should try to take a video of this. Keep playing. <laughs> now they're chasing each other away. Oh, they're chasing each other now down the grass. That's so cute. They have such an elaborate uh, fucking style of play. And now this other dog is going away. Amazing. Amazing. It's like on a fucking uh, like little fairyland here. Oh, now these two young, decent-looking guys are gonna wonder what the fuck I'm doing. <sighs> Dog is circling. Supremely Armenian eyes the fellas have. All right, Mr. Tumanyan, ladies and gentlemen, I will see you on another night. Ես 
Ես կես սիրում եմ ես խոսկերը, դուրս են խաղի կանոններից, ես շպրտում եմ ձեզ իմ տերնում, հերանում եմ տեզանից, ես թրցնում եմ իմ երկերնի մանկության գտորներից, կովքիս բորորի մանկերներ Ազատություն է նրանստունը, հելով կապողած մեր սրդերից, երկերի սպում աղավրատունը, ես դատարկում եմ երկերից, ազատություն է նրանստունը, հելով կապողած մեր սրդերից. Անտերը դուս մուրացկանները դարձանք ես տերու դիրական եսքեր, Սիրում եմ ես խոսքեր, ասում եմ կեր զիմերևան, Արժեր հասնել աշխարիցերը որերս, բարերը հասկանան, Ես կեզ սիրում եմ ես խոսքերը, ասում եմ Բաղթս կարտած իմ հայացքի մեջ մոխրացած, Նակիսածային ինչ է շենջաց, որ ես ճամպորդ եմ ուշացած, Որ իմ գնաց գնարդ եմ մեկնելը, ես ուշացել եմ նրանից, Որ իմ սիր դգողացել է արդեն, հերու է ինձանի I love you these words, I say to you, my Yerevan. At the end of the world, these words are what I come upon. I love you these words, I say to you, my Yerevan. And it was worth reaching the end of the world to understand what the fuck these words mean. 